Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. The easiest way to connect with us from right where you are is by downloading our free Real Life Community app from your app store. You can also find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. Ah, so good to hear from Joshua. It's... uh... Uh, nice that we had actually Jessica Barnard on the keys today, who was a member of Real Life for a while and visiting now with us from Blackman Community, was a part of that launch team. And, uh, and so she's on loan uh, from them today. And then we've got Joshua on the screens. I was reading uh, this past week, uh, what the first letter that I wrote to the congregation here, uh, when before we had even started making plans to plant churches. And in that letter, there was a paragraph that said, imagine with me for a minute. Uh, wouldn't it be neat if we started giving ourselves away as a church and seeding these different congregations in different neighborhoods in Murfreesboro and eventually were a part of a network of sister churches that shared in certain kinds of ministry together. And so hearing Joshua uh, talk about this shared discipleship ministry between all these churches standing in front of Blackman Community Church is just such an inspirational thing for me this morning. I really want you to take this out, look over it. You've got a month to sign up, uh, but don't take that long. Take a week, talk with your family about it. On each, in, inside of each brochure is an insert, and that's as simple as it is um, for you to sign up. Just put your name on there, check a box or two that you might be interested in, and you're good to go. Those groups will start in October. Now, uh, let's get to the, to the message today. We are at the end of our series on James. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, want to turn there, we're going to be in James chapter 5 today, right at the very end, uh, really going to be focusing on verses 13 through 16. So James chapter 5, 13 through 16. We'll close out our series on James today, and then next week, we're starting a new series on Revelation. So who's excited about that, uh, right? So I've got a timeline that I want to share with you. Uh, it, we're going to do charts and graphs and pictures of all sorts of beasts. And no, I'm kidding. None of that's going to happen. We're going to look at how Revelation is an incredible gift to the church uh, that is a message full of hope and a call to worship and right living uh, for the church as we wait on the Lord to return. So it'll be great. We'll look at that starting next week. But today, James and If you've been following with us uh, over these last several weeks that we've been in James, one of the things that you've heard me say several times is uh, hinting at or or talking about how James often can be pretty hard hitting. Have you felt that? Uh, We've been going through and there've been times where you're like, yeah, man, that makes me squirm a little bit, James. That's pretty, that's pretty in my face. That kind of needles me a little bit. It feels like a little bit like a hammer. Uh, And so we've been through a lot of those passages in James today. I have good news for you. James kind of takes the softer, like pastoral heart approach and says, I recognize that you will have a variety of different experiences in your life. 
And I want to talk to you about your natural response in every one of the spectrum of those experiences, what that can be like as a person of faith. And so James is going to just kind of put that hat on for a little bit to close out the message. He knows the people he's been writing to have been experiencing all sorts of trouble and persecution and things. And so he really has this pastoral message that he wants uh, to give to them about how to respond best to all sorts of common life circumstances as people of faith. Now, I gotta be honest this morning, I have actually had a difficult time putting what I'm gonna say next into language, into words. It's not that it's complicated, it's just, it takes a little bit. So I want you to hang with me uh, here and hopefully I'll be able to relay what I've been trying to find, just one sentence or something to, to uh, share with you, but I think it's gonna take a little bit longer. Um, so hang with me, here, here it is. It seems to me that over the course of our lives, we develop certain socially acceptable, uh, and, and when I say socially acceptable, I mean just not necessarily good or bad or healthy or destructive, but just things that our culture around us says, yeah, that's normal, right? Uh, that we develop certain socially acceptable responses to all sorts of different circumstances in our lives. Does that make sense? Okay, so let me give you a few examples. Uh, like, just think of any, any situation in your life that you come up to, there's a good chance that at some point in your life through watching your family or listening to your friends or uh, listening to, um, you know, some rock band or something, you know, or, or studying some best practices on an issue, that you have developed a response or a way to handle that situation. So, for example, if you've got some great news that happens to you, one of the first things that you may do that maybe you're, you're like just thing that you've learned to do is to pick up the phone and call one of your friends or your family and say, you wouldn't believe what happened to me. Listen to this great news. Why don't you come over and let's have a party, right? So that might be your response because that's what people do that I've known when something great happens. Or uh, when a football team scores a touchdown, right? College football just started yesterday. When your team scores a touchdown, you jump off the couch and throw your nachos everywhere. Maybe that's your, your response. Or there's like, like I said, this, this long, so some of you, some of you are like, yep, yep, yep. I know that happened in my house yesterday, whatever. Um, so there's lots, there's this big spectrum though. Maybe, um, maybe when a test is coming up, you have learned that it's acceptable or it's proper to study. And so you hit the books. That's what your parents taught you. It's what your teachers told you. Or when there are chores to do, you work, right? So you put aside some of the things that you maybe would rather do so that you can do your chores. When we're sick, Maybe your knee-jerk reaction is to go look under the medicine cabinet or to call the doctor uh, or call a friend who has some sort of medical knowledge uh, or maybe you, when you've got a big decision to make. And I'm just like reaching for all sorts of different, because the whole spectrum of experiences, maybe you've got a big decision to make and your natural thing is to call your dad. Dad, listen to these options. What do you think is the right thing? Now, we could go on and on and on about every situation in life. There's a good chance that you have developed some sort of response that just kind of happens. When that thing happens, you tend to do this thing. Sometimes these responses that we have are healthy and they might even represent what we might call the best practices of the day. Like if you go into Barnes and Noble and you look at the self-help section, you might find that everything you're doing is exactly what all the psychologists and the experts in the fields are telling you that is the best thing for you to do. Other times, our responses 
to life situations can be pretty destructive, can't they? Like we don't always naturally and automatically do the best thing. Sometimes when something happens in our life, it could be a good thing or a bad thing. We have responses that tend to tear us down. So like when the money runs out, maybe we learn you just get another credit card, you know? Um, when we have a disagreement, maybe you grew up in a house where the normal thing to do when you have a disagreement is to scream at each other or fight. Or if you grew up in my house, it's just screaming all the time. Like when you're happy or sad or, you know, whatever, it's just like we're loud, you know, so we just do that. Um, maybe when you're stressed, I'm starting to get a little close to home, right? We, we eat ice cream, which is not all bad, right? Let, let's be honest. Uh, or we shop or we binge some sort of behavior to try and calm that stress down. Maybe when we're in trouble, we worry or we turn to some sort of substance that will alleviate the pain or keep us from, uh, from sensing the danger that we're in. We could go on, but the point that I want to make is that over the course of our lives, we develop these patterns of responses. Are you with me? Does this make sense? Okay. Um, for just about every situation in life that really just run a kind of automatically in the background, but they make an enormous difference in how we experience life. Would you agree? Uh, because if all of these things for responses for every situation in life are just kind of automatically running in the background, you could say that not only does that make a difference in our life, but it really almost like charts the course of our life. Like that really like consumes most of our experience of life. If it's every situation and just kind of how we're responding in those ways, then obviously it's going to make a huge difference. And listen, like I said, many of these things that we do are good. If something great happens to you, it's wonderful to call your friends and celebrate. If you get sick, you should visit the doctor from time to time, especially if it's something serious. There's some of you like, I'm never going to the doctor. Listen, I, as your pastor, I want to tell you, if something's wrong with you, you should go to the doctor, right? Like, go get that checked out or have that test run. There's nothing wrong with that. If you are struggling emotionally, man, we've got some great counselors we could hook you up with. Those are great things to do. Sometimes it's wonderful, natural responses for us. Sometimes uh, if, if we've, sorry, I had this thing that I wanted to write. I wanted to make sure that you knew that ice cream is good, uh, right? Okay, so uh, I wanted to make sure, okay. So if you get stressed, an occasional bowl of ice cream is fine. Like this is okay, unless you're lactose intolerant or whatever, and then something else. Uh, so there is wisdom in a lot of these practices, right? So I don't want to knock our natural responses to these kinds of things. A lot of these things are good, and I'm not going to tell you to put these away. But James is again trying to help us put the faith that we have uh, been given and that we've given our lives over to God, how to put that faith into practical practice. Not just on Sunday mornings, not just when we're doing religious stuff, but in every area of our lives, every circumstance, the whole spectrum of human experiences, James is saying your faith ought to make a difference. And James has been really good, right, at, at holding up the mirror in front of us and saying, this is what your life looks like, and this is how faith ought to make a difference. And then not just saying, this is what it looks like, but hey, you should do something about that. You know, that's, that's kind of James's MO is here's what's going on. Now, let's put that into practice. Let's get your faith into the reality of your daily life. And 
And for him, here in chapter five, he wants to let us know that it's not enough to coast through life on autopilot doing what you did before faith or what you would do had you not had any faith in God, even if it represents the best wisdom and research of the day. These responses in life, even the best wisdom of our culture are, as people of faith, insufficient by themselves as responses in any situation. Even the wisest, best kinds of things by themselves are insufficient for people of faith. Your natural responses, insufficient for people of faith. And two, they are not the proper starting point in any situation for people of faith. Now, here's why. In part, because a lot of the things that we do are really, if you boil it all, all the way down, they're power grabs by us. Uh, we have a situation that comes into our life, and we want to be in control of that situation. So we plan the party. We make the spreadsheet. We call the people who will tell us probably the things that we want to hear. Uh, we begin to make the plans. So a lot of the natural responses are ways for us to position ourselves in whatever spectrum of the situation it is. How can I be in charge of that? How can I make my will be done in this situation? Are you with me here? This is the natural kind of learned response. How can I get on top of this? How can I be in control of this situation? So there's a part of it that's that, but more than that, because if all we do when a big life decision is coming up is we make a spreadsheet, and by the way, also, if you can make a spreadsheet and the ice cream at the same time, like that's fantastic for me, uh, but like uh, whatever. Uh, so, but if that's all we do is make the spreadsheet with pros and cons or call on dad or, or, when, or when a stressful meeting is coming up, we lose sleep running it over in our minds. If those are the only things we do or you just fill in the blank, whatever situation you're in, if those natural human level, culturally acceptable, socially acceptable things are the only things that we do, then we're ignoring the most important factor in our lives as people of faith. We have trusted our lives and every aspect of them and every situation within them to a good and loving and faithful and all-powerful God who is passionately concerned with your and my good being worked out in every situation of our lives. You're a person of faith. If you are, that means that every situation in your life and the totality of your life has been offered up to God in faith and you trust that no matter what happens on the spectrum between good and bad to like meaningless, uh, seemingly meaningless, that God is interested in the details of your and my daily lives, is passionate about all of those details working together for your eternal good. And God loves you in every one of those situations and is capable of working in each one of those situations, not just in the situations, but in the, in the depths of our own hearts as well. Now, so this is, uh, this is instead of just doing all the things that we pick up over the course of our lives in every, any, and every, any and every situation, James then has these responses as a pattern. He says, listen, as people of faith, 
let's walk through some situations that you might find yourself in. Now let's talk about what it would look like to put your faith into practice as a natural response on this side of faith. Let me read you the scriptures. He says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Do you hear what James is doing here, he's reaching for these different kind of places and he's just giving examples like I've been giving examples. We could add to the list here. Is any one of you in trouble? Are you? What's his response? Your natural response as a person of faith, well, bring that to God. The first thing that we do in that order is bring it to God. It doesn't mean that all the best practices and the things that you know we've learned over the years and the things that wise people are telling us to do that we don't do that anymore. It just, the first thing that you do is situate that properly before the God who loves you and is capable of effecting change in you and in the, in the whole world. Bring that to God. Is any one of you in trouble? Pray. Then what's he say? Is any of you happy? Well, you should sing. And you're like, I'm not a singer. Well, it's okay. Like God loves your voice the way that he made it, one. Uh, but two, when he says sing songs of praise, what's that? That's a happy prayer. You're just praying a happy prayer, right? So if you're in trouble, pray. If you're happy, pray. Happy prayers, right? If you find yourself sick, pray. Are you recognizing a pattern here? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. James is saying the natural response for a person of faith, regardless of whatever kind of wisdom you've gathered up over the years, is when anything happens in your life, we bring it to God. We pray as the first thing. Now, uh, I hope that you're sitting here thinking uh, through all of the natural responses that you typically would have. I've been doing that a lot this week, and I've recognized that a lot of my knee-jerk reactions aren't that, you know? They're to just immediately go in and try and fix the problem or to go in and try and solve that or to go in and do that or to tell you whatever. And again, a lot of those things are fine as a second thing to do. But the first thing in every situation to go and bring it to God. This, is, this just fits everything with what James has been saying that we make it a habit and a pattern to share everything that we experience with God. What did he say earlier in the, in the letter? He says, come near to God. Come near to God. He's not just talking about on Sunday mornings or in your group life study or whatever. In every situation of our life, come near to God. And the promise is that God in those moments will come near to us. Let our lives and the situations that we're facing get their proper bearings in the wider reality of God's kingdom before we begin to act on them. You with me here? So this is where our natural uh, response might be to, to control grab, power grab, situate ourselves in a way to make our will be done. The act of praying does the opposite of that. 
It takes the situation and it says, God, I recognize that you are in authority over my life and this situation that I'm experiencing, and I would like your will to be done in this situation. Now, what would you have me do from here? It's a whole different way of going about life. Changes everything about how we walk through life. Uh, let your, yourself and the circumstance be surrounded by the love and sovereignty of a good God before you do anything else. There's a guy, N.T. Wright, Anglican bishop, pastor, author, uh, professor, all sorts of stuff. Uh, and he wrote about this passage. He says, in prayer, the Christian stands at the overlap point of heaven and earth. Isn't that good? In prayer, the Christian stands at the overlap point of heaven and earth where the two come together. Can you imagine the circumstances and situations that you're facing in life? A better place for those situations and circumstances and the totality of your life to be than there at the overlap point between heaven and earth. Everywhere in our lives, we want them to be there. So if anything happens, you, you have a windfall bonus at work, bring that before the Lord. God, thank you so much. Sing a little song there, do a little dance, whatever you do, uh, and situate that there. If you have a problem, there's a family member that you're struggling with, bring that to the overlap point between heaven and earth. If you're sick, if you're in trouble, if you got a stressful meeting coming up, all of those things, bring them to the overlap point between heaven and earth and have them find their proper place there surrounded by the goodness and love and sovereignty of the kingdom of God and then go from there, right? The overlap point of heaven and earth. Maybe this is a part of why Paul says in 1 Thessalonians that we should pray continually. Amen. Pray without ceasing. Because he recognizes every situation, every circumstance, this is the proper natural response for a person of faith. Now, we could go on this morning. We could dissect several more things with this passage. There's a lot to talk about here, right? There's a whole bunch of stuff about righteous persons praying and sick people becoming well and confessing sins to one another. And, and, and we could talk about those things. We could talk about how important it is that when, for example, we come to God for healing, we're not nursing sins at the same time in our life. You recognize this, that God is not interested in only healing our bodies. And so if we come to God and we're like, God, I've got this fever and I'm having an affair. God's going to be like, we got bigger problems than the fever. Let's work on this. Or God, I've got this problem with this person uh, that I, I, I'm at work or whatever. And I'm also, um, you know, spending all this time uh, in this addiction. And listen, bring all of that to God. I think this is a part of the reason James sees these things as connected, that, that if there is a sin, God wants that part of, of us to be healed just as much, maybe even more so than our bodies, because again, he's got our eternal good at the center of his heart and mind. So you have, for example, Jesus, uh, when he's teaching and all the crowds surround around this one house in one of the gospels and, and, and these friends have this man who can't walk and they, they try and get in, they can't, they cut a hole in the roof, they lower him down and Jesus has this man who, who can't walk in front of him and what's he say first? Stand up and walk? No, he says, your sins are forgiven. And then he says, get up and walk. These things very often are connected. There are stories, guys, 
Sin sometimes gets so deep down, and now I'm talking about it. I meant to just pass right over this, but listen, this is important. Um, there, there is such a destructive work that sin does in our life. There are stories of people who when they finally get up the courage to confess to another human being something that's broken on a spiritual level in their life, other things in their life become to get whole, begin to get whole. Even people begin to experience physical healing when they get out from under the burden of oppressive sin in their life. So listen, if you come to God looking for help in an area, get that sin out too. God wants to cleanse you from that stuff. It's too heavy to carry around. It's too destructive for you to carry around. So this is James's pastoral heart here. He doesn't want you to carry that stuff around. Get rid of that too. Get rid of that. Bring that to God. So we could talk about those things. We could talk about all sorts of things, about what it means to be a righteous person. And, and listen, those things would be good. But I've had this sense for the past couple weeks that the best thing that we could do to get today together is just to practice this. Um, and so we don't do this all the time. If you're a guest with us today, um, we're so glad you're here. This isn't the way we normally end up a service, but I'm so glad you are here because maybe you've got a situation and you need somebody to pray for you. Um, today we're going to do that. Uh, we're going to have some of our elders. Uh, we don't have like official elders. There's some ordained folks who are uh, elders in our church or, or whatever, but we're going to have some of, our, uh, some of our folks who are ministers in our church uh, just station themselves on the corner. So Bo, would you go here? And Sam is going to be in the back. And uh, Byron, will you come right up here? And Norman, will you go right back here? Uh, so we're going to have just some prayer stations. And um, here's what I'd like for us to do. In just a moment, we're going to put on some music. And I would like you to begin to think about a circumstance or a situation or a relationship or a health issue or some need that you have in your life, whatever it is. There's probably something that God has been bringing to your mind even as I've been talking. The proper, natural response for you as a person of faith is to pray about this. Uh, so these guys uh, have oil, um, and what we would like to do is we would like to anoint you, because that's what James says, is if any of you is sick, just call the elders together and, and pray over them, right? So, so we're gonna do some of that, and you don't have to, it doesn't have to be a physical sickness, just anything. If you've got a tough week at work or a test coming up or whatever it is, or a big decision that you're mulling over, whatever, uh, we'd like to invite you, every one of us, I would love for every one of us to go and, and be prayed for, uh, go and just, the person is going to say, how can I pray for you? You give them a sentence or two. Listen, it's okay if you need to confess something. It's not going to scare these guys. Um, you're not going to, I'm not going to tell you have to, but listen, if you need to, go for it. We'll pray for you about that too, right? And uh, we'll put some music on while we're praying. Love for everybody to be prayed for. And then uh, we're going to have communion together and sing together at the end. And so uh, those who are serving communion, we're going to have them come right up here up to the front. And this is going to be a little different than we normally do it. So after you've been prayed for, come and receive the elements and then go find your way back to your seat. And we will share in communion together uh, at the end. All right. Does that work? Could we stand together? And let's have a word of prayer. And here, let's do this. Um, just to start out, let's just have um, me confess for us.
for a moment. And then let's be prayed for together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for inviting us to pray. For inviting us to stand at the intersection between heaven and earth to bring every situation and circumstance of our life before you and and just have it properly situated right there before you. Have our lives properly situated. God, uh, we want to confess to you all the ways that we have fallen short this week. Uh, We confess to you our natural tendencies, our fallen tendencies to not bring our whole lives before you. God, there's some of us who are nursing sins. We confess these to you. We want to be made whole, God. And so we seek your forgiveness and your cleansing and your purifying power in our life. And now, God, as we are prayed over and anointed and all of these situations are brought to you, we pray that your kingdom would come and your will be done in any and every circumstance and in all of our lives and in the whole world. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Let's cue the music and find a place to pray. I